Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Dr. Karen Can Radio Show. The intention of this show is to empower and inspire you to manifest the life of your dreams, whether it's radiant health, prosperity, loving relationships, or simply peace of mind. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Can, author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Guide to Healing Chronic Pain, A Holistic Approach. And if you don't have a copy of my book, you can get the first six chapters free right on my website, www.karencan.com. Just put your name and email address in there, and not only will I send you the link to download the excerpt of the book, but you'll also get five free recordings of my online Fast Track Your Healing classes. How exciting is that? So today with me, I have a very special guest. I'm really excited because, you know, sometimes I go home and uh, to Canada to see my parents, and sometimes they get really fed up with me telling them what they should or shouldn't eat or what they should or shouldn't do. So I try to keep my mouth closed, but it's really hard sometimes you know, like when my dad pulls out that big, huge loaf of white bread, and you know he's diabetic, he's had, uh, you know, a heart attack, um, which are often silent in people with diabetes, and high cholesterol and kidney failure and all these things my, you know, family history on that side have had. Thank goodness they didn't smoke. They would have died in their 40s, but he's, you know, in his uh, mid-70s. And um, so it's really hard sometimes for me to keep my mouth shut to say what he should and shouldn't eat. So they're kind of sick of me you know, telling them that kind of stuff. Um, But today we're going to be interviewing one of the co-creators of the movie Carb Loaded. And I really, really enjoy this movie. And, you know, my husband and I, and mostly my husband, really loves cartoons. So I knew that once I put this up and I'm watching, I knew he was going to start watching it too. And, uh, And, of course, there are some times where, you know, he's got the soda in his hand and, you know, the chips and all that kind of stuff. And he's like, well, I'm not going to get diabetes because I'm skinny. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I've got muscle. I've got no body fat. And when this film came out, I thought, oh my gosh, is this perfect or what? This is like, this is like, you know, given from spirit. Because with me today is Lace Poland, one of the co-creators of the film Carb Loaded, and he's going to talk about uh, his documentary, why he made this documentary about diabetes and about our diets and um, a little bit about what we can do about this because there's definitely some positive steps that we can take, and it's not all about you know doom and gloom stuff. So, Leith, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Ah, well, I'm so glad that you're on. And you guys aren't too far from us, Connecticut and New York, so pretty close. Yeah, we get to share the same wonderful uh, winter weather this year. Yeah, absolutely. So first, uh, start off with um, telling us why did you make this documentary about diabetes? I mean, you're in kind of like the video realm. I mean, that's your realm of expertise. But why did you decide to make this documentary? Sure, yeah. I, uh, You know, if you had asked me 10 years ago if I was ever going to make a film about diabetes, I probably would have said no. Uh, and then I was diagnosed with diabetes. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, that kind of surprised me. I uh, this is radio, so you you can't see me, but I'm uh, a slim built man. I, I was 36 years old when I was diagnosed. I weighed 165 or so pounds, so wow. you know, skinny basically, and I had diabetes, and I was I was kind of surprised 
but most of the doctors that I saw weren't. Mm-hmm. And they said that they were starting to see this as being fairly common, that people were getting adult-onset diabetes and uh, being fairly, you know, having a fairly normal body habitus. So that kind of, you know, I, it's, my first reaction was, oh, wow, well, I guess it's normal. I guess this is what's going to happen. I guess this is what I'm going to do. And uh, then I started, you know, trying to find out what I should eat and, and trying to research a little bit. And I discovered that the rate of diabetes that was being diagnosed in, in people my age and, and in, in children uh, was skyrocketing, more than just kind of a normal background level of, of uh, disease. So once I realized that, that's, that, the, that it wasn't normal and that in the last, you know, 10 years that it had increased so much, I realized, okay, I need to get to the bottom of this. So in the process of learning about how scary it is that diabetes and prediabetes is increasing so much in our population, I realized I have to make a film about this. Other people need to hear what I'm learning because I, I know that I saved my own health by learning the things that I did, and I knew that I could help others. Oh, that's fantastic. And you convinced your business partner, Eric Carlson, to, to do this documentary with you, and you put all your senses of humor in there, which I really appreciate. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, 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 I'm ashamed to admit it, but I, I don't like watching documentaries. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that because my husband's off. You know, every time I'm, I ever say to him, "Okay, it's time to watch another health documentary." He rolls his eyes like, "Oh God, I got to sit through that." And half the time they're really good, and he enjoys them. But I got to tell you, really, and you know, we watched the whole thing last night, and he really enjoyed it. And he's like, "I really like the cartoons, and they were really funny." And I was like, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'm a I'm a kid at heart still, so I, I had to make uh, the film. Well, for, honestly, for two reasons, um, angled towards a younger sense of humor at the very least, um, but also kids are the ones that will benefit the most because they are the most likely to change their habits mm. uh, or they have the most runway left <laughs> to right. change their habits. Whereas as adults, a lot of people will say, well, it's just the way it is, um, whereas a kid might be more inclined to change the way that they eat or think about food. That's a great idea. Yeah, that's a to- yeah, totally. Well, you know, I was going to ask you about um, you know, you said that you're, you know, you're obviously not overweight. Um, it sounded like you were eating pretty healthy. Uh, were you exercising when you were getting diabetes? Like what what, you know, what else was going on in your life? Sure. Um, yeah, I my work, uh, I'm a camera operator and filmmaker. So at the point in time that I, when I was diagnosed, I was working really uh, a really hectic schedule. And so I was very physically active. Mm. Um, and, and I wasn't a sugar guy. I didn't like to eat, you know, desserts and stuff like that very much. Um, but I ate the standard American diet. I didn't eat fast food. Uh, I didn't eat anything like that. But I ate, you know, pasta and bread and rice and, and all the things that any normal American is going to eat. Um, and I thought that that was healthy for me. Uh, and I'd been doing it for 35, 36 years. So, um, yeah, to, that, to answer your question, so I was just eating what I thought was healthy and normal. I was, you know, I tried to eat a salad when I could and and, and my heart-healthy grains when I when I wasn't eating the salad. Wow. You know, my, my mom sometimes, uh, it, she's funny because 
she's she's my you know best cheerleader and she's also my worst critic. <laughs> love love that. But um, you know, she's like <laughs> everything in moderation. She says, you know, the mm. Chinese people have been eating rice for thousands of years, and I mean, I'm not necessarily saying they were healthy, you know, eating rice. Uh, sure. But I was thinking, well, yeah, that's probably true. They were eating rice for thousands of years, so it can't mm. be all that harmful. We're still here, aren't we? Um, you know, I saw the diet. Uh, the, sorry, the movie of the Perfect Human Diet, and they talked about you know some of the DNA evidence of these bones that they've unearthed with people that lived you know ten thousand years ago or beyond before agriculture. And they mm. said you know they, there really isn't a lot of evidence that they ate a lot of grains. Yeah. Um, so do you have some you know some thought about that that whole moderation thing? It can't be all that bad. We've been eating this way for a while. Is that just a misperception? You know, it's funny, we as a culture, and I think just as individuals, we like to think in in sort of a zero-sum game, there must be one thing that causes all of our problems. And it's it's usually a kind of a constellation of things. Right. So, you know, yes, we we don't lead, lead as active lives. Yes, there are probably more harmful chemicals. The The grains that we eat nowadays are not the grains that our ancestors ate um, for many reasons. Uh, they just the, the crops have been bred to, to have certain qualities. And lo and behold, nowadays we also have genetic aspects that have been added or removed by means of science. Um, and so there's a lot of different things that kind of marketing, you know, the, the people didn't have marketing the way we have marketing now. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's, there's so many, you know, the answer is yes on many levels as to, to why um, grains then and grains now, or I should say carbohydrates then and carbohydrates now have a different effect on us. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a really good point. And, I, you know, what I also appreciate about in the film, which, which I, as a medical doctor, wasn't that aware of or wasn't on my radar as much, because I don't, I do a lot of holistic integrative medicine. I don't see a lot of people with diabetes. They're not necessarily the ones that come to me for help. Sure, uh, sure. For whatever reason, um, so the stats that you had of how the economic burden of diabetes mm. now and in the future was like really kind of eye opening for me. I really had no idea that it was trending that high. And I know when I worked in underserved areas for the hospital in in um, California here in upstate New York, you know we were seeing children. You know in California, Hispanic children and uh, a lot of white kids here uh, in upstate New York that were overweight and getting diabetes. And so that was really shocking to me. I come from kind of a city in Canada, and we didn't have that at the time in Ottawa. It was kind of like white-collar, well-educated types. But then coming mm-hmm. to the United States, you know, in, in the rural areas, I was really shocked. I just never saw anybody with type 2 diabetes who was under the age of 30. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I really and, – and I really appreciate how you – you know, I mean, it wasn't just a bunch of numbers on the screen. I mean, you 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 put the cartoons in the the data. I, you know, it was so engaging the way you did it. So it really got us a visual kinesthetic sense, actually, of what this burden is to our society that we all can't just ignore it just because we don't have diabetes. Yeah, it is absolutely massive. If you live on planet Earth and you pay taxes, so whatever country you're in your taxes, uh, a, a large percentage of the taxes or, or expenditure that you have is to pay for diabetes. It is so big and so ubiquitous 
that I don't think we realize it. And a lot of us kind of, myself included, until I was diagnosed, thought that, you know what, that's everyone else's problem. That's a, that's mm-hmm. a, a problem for the overweight. And then, and then I started looking around and looking at the, at the literature and looking at the data and realizing, oh, no. No, you know, it's, 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 it's funny because like a third of the United States is on their way to either having or already has diabetes, a third of the population. Um, you know, yeah. even, you know, we were talking a second ago about cultures that eat rice, for instance, and, and, and sometimes that's been used as an example of, well, hey, they get away with it. You know, cultures that eat a lot of rice, they don't, they're not fat. Well, why don't you look at their diabetes numbers? Their diabetes numbers are off the charts. If I remember correctly, there's more people in China with diabetes than there are people in the United States. So, oh, interesting. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely epically huge. And it's just kind of simmering there in the background because people don't drop dead and, and, and it's because of diabetes. They drop dead because of all the things that happen in their body because of diabetes. Oh, yeah, yeah, wow. Well, you know, the other thing that I didn't really realize, and again, the the way you guys did it graphically really hit, you know, hit home the point, was about um, our portion sizes. Now, I never yeah. really thought I had an eating disorder, <laughs> hey, mm-hmm. this. but it's, I think, you know, living in Canada, you know, growing up in Canada and seeing things supersized, and where I, I just took for granted just how much stuff should be on my plate. And, um, you know, people always laugh, oh, wow, you know, you're, you can, oh, I don't know where you put it, you know, it's not appearing right. on your body. But I have a huge family history of diabetes, and, and I, I could tell the weight coming on, you know, later in life and thinking, oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I didn't really think it was how much I was eating until, you know, very recently. And I think your point uh, that you made in the movie about how our, even our plates have gotten bigger. Yeah, it's bizarre, like, isn't no it? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, um. <laughs> There's, yeah, there's a couple of individuals in the film that they're just, oh, they're so fascinating. I, I wish I could, I, you know, I really should just make, you know, several movies about each of the people that were in the film. Uh, one of the one of the doctors that I interviewed, uh, a doctor by the name of Brian Wansink, he's at uh, Cornell, and he wrote a book called Mindless Eating, and he talks about all these ways that we think we are in control and we think we are making choices, mm-hmm. when in fact we are completely being led along by our desires and we don't even realize it. it it's it's pretty comical and the, and then you were mentioning about plate size yeah there was a um a study that they did uh Wansink, dr Wansink did and they took and they measured uh the plate size and the size of the food portions in one of the most widely ever painted paintings and that is the last supper and what it does is it kind of crystallizes where people's minds are at at that moment in time. So the painter, when he painted the Last Supper in year X, would have painted what he thought made sense. And the size of portions and the size of plates have astronomically grown since the first paintings of the Last Supper to the ones that were painted most recently. And then obviously there's a lot more more (laughs) research than just studying paintings, but that was kind of an interesting way to study in history how people viewed what was an appropriate size for a plate. Mhm. Yeah, I thought that was fascinating. Um, well, you know, the the, the 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 doctor that you had in the film was hilarious, and I thought it was a really great way to kind of you know ha- have someone sit in for the medical establishment 
Um, mm. And he was so engaging in, in, you know, because he was ignorant, but so was I um, about all this stuff not that long ago. <laughs> but he's funny, you know, and very yeah. innocent in his in his ignorance. And so I, I love that you had that piece in there because a lot of, you know, when you first went to the doctor and you were diagnosed with diabetes, like what did your doctor tell you to do? Um, unfortunately, uh, he... <laughs> As soon as I was diagnosed, you know, he said, he actually said it just, and just so that everybody that hasn't seen the film, he's kind of a, he's he's kind of a comic relief, relief individual that comes throughout the film and throws our ideas back in our face and we, we have to kind of... He comes up reason. with all these objections, doesn't he, in the film? Right, right, yeah. exactly. Unfortunately, my doc, my actual doctor was very similar to that doctor. Um, and so he said, you've got diabetes and you're going to be taking the next, these three medications for the rest of your life. And it it was like that in one big breath. And I kind of, really? Yeah. Yeah. I, and he said, you know, what, you know, eventually you will die of complications related to diabetes. And so I, what do you do with that? You know, how do you, and basically he's going from, from, from kind of an empirical data perspective, which is, most Americans or most people that receive the diagnosis of having diabetes, it's kind of a downward spiral. Um, If you follow the directions as given by the establishment, really, Um, if you take your medication and eat the diet that you've been given recommended by the American Diabetes Association, for example, yeah, you are going to kind of have a a downward, downward spiral. Um, so I can't completely fault him, but it is disappointing. So yeah, getting back to this, the doctor in the film, um, he, he throws objections that I think a viewer would bring up. Yeah. Uh, oh, come on. You know, what, what's the story? I think we've always had sugar. We've always had this or what, you know, and I think it's helpful because it helps the audience realize that we get it. We understand. Um, we were there, we were sitting on the other side of, of this argument until, <laughs> until I was diagnosed. So, you know, it's, we're not trying to stay on one side of the argument. We're trying to show you that, yeah, there's actually quite a bit to this story that you don't know. And, and, you know, the interesting thing about the, um, the, well, we'll talk about the establishment in a a minute, but uh, for example, you know, uh, you made the point about athletes, you know, high end athletes, uh, they were told they should be carb loaded and how great for you to have Tim Noakes and, you know, some of the other Mm -hmm. uh, athletes on, on the film um, yeah. And to this day, we still see athletes eating goop and Gatorade or sports drinks, that kind of thing. And even, you know, even, um, uh, you know, my husband uh, has this wonderful sugary drink. It has whey in it, which supposedly helps you with building or rebuilding muscle after a hard workout, but mm-hmm. it has all this fructose mm-hmm. to sweeten it. Of course, he loves it, and he's so full he can't eat lunch. Um, so, you know, to, what about, I mean, isn't there data to support that that's helpful for athletes? Like, what are athletes supposed to do if, if they don't, you know, eat sugary stuff? Right. Yeah, it is It is something that we we believe. And we believe that in order to be fit, you have to run 20 miles every day. And if you don't, then you're not fit. Um, you have to eat, you know, like sawdust and all these beliefs that we hold about what what health and nutrition are, aren't really founded in fact. They're, they're more founded in marketing. They're more founded in people trying to move a product. Um, so in the film, we have a, a couple really fascinating athletes, um, 
Sami Inkinen and his wife. And, I mean, this is a guy that is an athlete. I mean, he's, a, he's an amazing athlete. And he and his wife rode from Hawaii. They broke the world record by 15 days, I think it was. Wow. <laughs> and they had no sugar on board. Um, they, they ate uh, fat. They had a lot of fat, saturated fats, um, coconut oils, things like that. Um, they did have vegetables. And when I say sugars, I, you know, they didn't have like the goose or, or, or candy or fruit or, or things like that. Um, they had some dried, uh, you know, meat and, and things like that. So they, they have successfully, in, in their one incident, incident um, proved that you do not need sugar to be a high-performance athlete. You also mentioned Professor Noakes, Professor Timothy Noakes. He's the guy that invented that carbohydrate gel. Uh, he oh, wrote the book. Really? Yeah, he invented it. Oh, I didn't and know that. He, uh, yeah, he uh, he wrote a book. Uh, I guess it would have been in the late '80s called the the uh, the joy of running, I believe. Yeah. And he says, in fact, I think it's in the special features on the DVD of our of our film. He says, "I wish I could tear that chapter out mm. because." He feels he feels personally responsible for so many of the athletes that that cart loaded, thinking that that was the way that was healthy for them. You know, and it's sad because we fast forward now and and we hear of these cases where we we find out about a marathon runner that looked great, was in perfect, you know, looked like he was in perfect shape, and then keeled over from a heart attack. And it's not surprising from a medical perspective because of what all that sugar is doing to the inside of our bodies. All of those carbohydrates are actually one of the leading causes of high cholesterol and heart disease. Oh, I love that part too in the film. I've, I've, there's several films that I, you know, want people to watch in my practice so they can understand that piece. And, and still, they come in, you know, with oh, my doctor put me on, you know, um, some sort of statin and to get my cholesterol yeah. down. And the two analogies that I will use from now on from your film is that, you know, the cholesterol is sort of like a band aid. You know, it's there to kind of like you know, bandage up the inflammation, the damage done in part by all the high sugars, you know, that yeah. we, all this high insulin and damage we do to our arteries. So it's sort of like, you know, saying, hey, there's a firefighter at the fire, so the firefighter must be at fault. You know, right. it's like the cholesterol is at the scene of the crime, as at the scene of the arteries being clogged, so the cholesterol is the problem. Let's get rid of the cholesterol. And I yeah. love that analogy. The bandage anal- analogy and the whole firefighter analogy was great. So I'm going to be using that from now on. Yeah, and it's it's heartbreaking because there's so many trickle-down effects from, from what happens when a person says, oh, I need to cut the cholesterol out of my diet. Um, yeah. Now obviously, obviously, you don't want to eat the man-made fats, those are the crazy stuff that's been cooked up in the lab, but naturally occurring fats are wonderful for us. And, in, in fact, they're critical for us in order to have healthy hormonal operation and to fight against things like depression and all sorts of things. Right, low sex and so, drive and hormonal Yeah, analysis. so you, you cut the cholesterol out and you cut a whole lot of other things out, um, including a healthy brain. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, people, including my dad, you know, having trouble remembering things and they're blaming age and that kind of thing. And it's so sad because, I mean, there's nothing I don't think I can do to convince him uh, because he wants to listen to his doctors and honor what his doctor tells him to do. And, and they want him on, yeah. you know, those those statins. Um, and uh, it's like, oh, well, you know, at least other people yeah. listen to me. And, and uh, great films like yours are third-party validation for, for some yeah. of these recommendations. 
Um, talk a little bit about what about our government? You know, um, I used to think that if it was, you know, the American, you know, like you said, Diabetes Association or the American Medical Association, uh, you know, the low-fat diet, the 30, 20, 10 percent uh, fat uh, in the diet with health, heart healthy, the American Heart Association diet is what, sorry, what I was meant to say. Um, and we were taught this in medical school and thought yeah. there was data supporting it. Um, so should we be trusting these, you know, governmental agencies that have had all this money to create these recommendations? Uh, in a word, no. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, and I, I'm not a, uh, I'm not a foil hat wearing type of person. I'm not a, uh, conspiracy theorist. So I'm, I, I kind of, tend to tread lightly in that direction. But unfortunately, there's so many interests that benefit from us consuming lots and lots of grain and lots and lots of corn, let alone, you know, we've built a machine as a society that needs us to consume from it. Mm. And so it's it's kind of an unfortunate situation back in the the 70s. uh, There was, you know, all this data that led to uh, this this fear of fat and this belief that we needed to eat lots of heart healthy grains as they were called I, I'm it's tongue in cheek they're not really heart healthy um, and so as a result of all of those that science which was really bad science uh, it was really murky science back then there was a lot of people that said hey let's get on board because this will really kickstart our agricultural machine and it did oh, and yeah. so years later we're now kind of reaping the rewards of this monster that we've built that needs us to keep eating the food that it produces, regardless of whether that food is healthy or not. And so it's just kind of a sad cycle that, that has been perpetuated from, from that. So, yeah, it was really bad science. Um, nowadays we know, we look back and we say, oh, yeah, that was completely bogus science. There's, there's one example in the film that we use of a researcher, Dr. Keyes, and he's He's kind of known as the father of the fear of cholesterol. He's kind of the one that said, hey, you need to stop eating cholesterol, and if mm-hmm. that is causing you have, to have um, health problems. And so he, he conducted this huge study, 22 uh, studies, uh, countries, I believe, and uh, he didn't get the results that he wanted, and so he doctored the results, and he cut out most of the countries and, and used the countries that kind of – seemed to support his data. And 30 years later, that's, that's the model that we were eating on, is on, based on this kind of doctored model of, of looking at the world. Uh, well, I feel completely duped, and I don't blame my parents for not wanting to listen to me because I was harping on you have to eat high-fiber, low-fat diet because that's what we were taught in medical school. And yeah. now I'm you know, saying almost the opposite, and they're rolling their eyes going, oh, my God, you're just into every fad. You know, like it's a fad. So just, you know, stop it. Right. Well, and, and it's funny because my, my reaction to that in general, because, you know, there is not one size that fits all. There are right. these people that, you know, George Burns smoked a cigar every day of his life until he was in his late 90s. I think he made it into his hundreds, right? Right. So. Right. But, but most of us aren't that way. But there are people that are genetically predisposed, whatever it is, where there's certain combination, constellation of things that influence their health that can kind of get away with an unhealthy lifestyle. But those people are a minority. Most, of, most people that eat the way that, uh, you know, the average American, eat, American eats are getting sick. And so my question generally is, 
How is that working for you? You know, people might roll their eyes at you and say, oh, yeah, whatever. How is that working for you? How many medications are you taking? Are you having a, a hard time keeping your weight where it needs to be? And if the answer is yes to any of those questions, then it's not working. What you, what you think is, is working is not normal. You know, oh, I'm putting on my middle-aged pledge. I'm, I'm in my late 40s, early 50s. It's just normal to put on weight. No, it's not. It's just normal for people that are eating a terrible diet. Right, yeah. That That's a great question to always ask, how's it working for you? And so whoever's giving me advice, I often tell people, if you, you're getting advice from a whole bunch of people you don't know who to follow, you know, you just have to figure out, well, what's their life like? You know, do they look happy? Do they look healthy? I mean, if they're stressed out yeah. all the time and telling you what to do, which I was in medical school. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. Know, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't want to follow that person either. Uh, but if right. someone's healthy and, and they, ha- they have what you want, then why not? Yeah. You, know, you might want to try that's that. Right. So that's, that's great right. advice. Let's talk to uh, – let's have you share with everyone your website where they can um, – find the movie, uh, and also about maybe your upcoming project. Yeah. So um, carbloaded.com is where you can uh, find out more information. And I'm hoping within the next few months uh, that the film will be uh, on, I mean, it will be, I just don't know if it'll be within the next few months, on iTunes, Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, VOD, all that sort of thing. Um, But you can currently, there's a couple places that you can watch it online uh, at our website as well as places that you can uh, uh, pick up the DVD. And you can't help but work on a project about our food system and not continue to encounter allergies. Uh, it seems like that was something that I continued to, to run into uh, during the making of Carb Loaded. And so the next project uh, that I'm working on right now is called Allergic. And it's about uh, this rising epidemic of, of different types of allergies that we're experiencing as a, as a culture. Oh, great. And that's at allergicmovie.com. Correct. Oh, that's fantastic. And so thank you so much for being on the show today. Uh, There's so many positive things. We didn't talk a lot about, you know, what people can do, but some of the simple steps to change. It doesn't have to be drastic. It doesn't have to be hard, which is one of the objections the doctor had, you know, Mm. to to change our lives and to change our diet. So I really appreciate that about your film as well. So uh, thank you so much, Lace, for, for connecting with us, and thanks our audience for tuning in today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was great being here.